0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Man, it's, it's good to be back. And I'm not just saying that because uh, uh, some of y'all know that your boy had COVID and it set me all the way down and uh, several other people that I heard about. Uh, and so Christmas is very different this year. But nevertheless, I'm grateful for my wife. She held it down, uh, make sure I wasn't uh, too big of a baby because I am when I get sick. But, um, but in all seriousness, though, man, I really appreciate a lot of y'all prayers and checking in on me and on us to see if we need anything. But let's continue to pray for others who are sick right now, still recovering, as Richard already said. Let's shoot them a text. Um, it can be discouraging, um, especially for those who may not living with a bunch of people or have family, but let's keep people in prayer and let's stay safe, y'all. But I am grateful, man, to be back, to have my strength, and to come back and preach the Word of God. And so um, this morning, we're just doing a standalone, and my goal is to just basically remind us of the gospel in this new year, 2022. So if you have your Bibles or your phone, uh, I want to invite you to meet me in Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. And this morning, just, uh, well, I'll get to the context, but Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, this is the word of God. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who was touching him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus, answering, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when he could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. And now which of them loved him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, from whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with the tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let me just remind us just a little more context of our text. You see, in the first half or the first uh, six chapters of Luke, we, we find Jesus' ministry, and among many miracles, we see him healing the paralyzed, casting out demons, and proclaiming the kingdom of God. But as we come to the latter half in chapter seven, we we find Jesus at a familiar setting. He's at a table reclining, eating with sinners. And if you was following as I read, you see there's, there's two sinners that's at the forefront in this text, but they have two different responses or reactions to Jesus's generosity. And I have to submit a question before all of us this morning Which center do you most identify with in our text? I can't help but to remember several years ago, I was uh, back home for Christmas uh, when I was in college. And uh, at that point, I didn't have a room. You know, I slept on a couch and, you know, I just got in where I fit in. Some of y'all can relate. But I remember at this particular Christmas, I had some younger siblings or cousins, I should say, that were living with us, living with my mom at the time. And so as you get older, you realize you get less and less gifts. Maybe they're just, uh, I feel me on that, okay. So uh, whatever I had, I'm like, man, I'm cool with it. I'm excited. I appreciate it. So I remember this particular morning was kind of like a normal Christmas morning. Everybody got up and we rushed to the tree. I'm sitting on the couch kind of eyeing, okay, I know I'm getting less gifts, but you know, I'm looking for that box with my name on it. So I find a box that's kind of shaped like a shoe box and I begin to unwrap the gift. And I pull out a nice pair of black winter boots. So I'm from St. Louis and I think they got some snow. So y'all think we get, bad winters here, up north Indiana, Adriana know what's up. And so I was excited, I had a nice pair of black boots, they was warm, so you know what I'm saying, I could stay warm, but also look stylish at the same time. So I'm like, mama, I appreciate it, thank you for giving me you know, a pair of boots. Like I told you, I had some younger cousins that were living with us at the time, so they too had their share of gifts. So my cousin, uh, a boy who's three years younger than me, he too found a box that looks similar like mine's that I just opened. So he began to open up out of excitement. He pulls out the same exact boot. And I'm thinking, to, I'm thinking right? I'm thinking to myself, whoa, like who told her to get the same exact pair of boots? Who told her to spend her well earned money to get a two for one sale uh, like my cousin? And so I felt some kind of way. Mind you, I didn't say none of this out loud, I wasn't foolish enough. But my mama know me and she saw my demeanor, she saw my posture and it was screaming out ungratefulness. You see, it was awkward. It was too late at that point and the rest of the day, the rest of the week, I'm spending washing dishes, I'm doing clothes, I'm trying to get back into her good graces. When I think about that, and some of y'all probably had a similar experience just a week and a half ago, so you feel me. But when I think about that particular moment, that that memorable for the wrong reasons Christmas day, it, it revealed a problem that I have. And it's at the heart, my ungrateful, sinful heart by nature. And this isn't unique to me. In fact, we all have this issue. You see, the very air that we've been breathing since we've been here, we become so accustomed to it as if we deserve it. We become entitled. As I think about that, that, that Christmas experience, I was so concerned with what my cousin had or what I thought he deserved or didn't deserve that I couldn't even appreciate what I got, the gift that my mama didn't really have to give me. You see, this, in, this entitlement, this, this privileged heart is dangerous. And we all need a, a readjustment of our perspective. And it's important that we start with a very important theological truth. And it's this. We all deserve God's holy wrath because we're sinners. And I, I get it. That ain't the warm and fuzzy message that you need to hear on this cold and rainy uh, New Year's Day or second year, second day of this new year. Or brothers and sisters, because I love y'all, that's the truth that we all need to hear. But our text this morning, it, it reminds us, and this is our big idea, that Christ generously forgives undeserving sinners. So we must respond with gratefulness to his love. Christ forgives undeserving sinners, so we must respond with gratefulness to his love. And as we look at this account in Luke, I want us, I want us to notice three realities of Christ's forgiveness. The first reality we see is in verses 36 to 38 is that Christ's forgiveness humbles grateful sinners. His forgiveness humbles grateful sinners. Allow me to take us back to this scene, this this dinner, and just, let's just kind of use our imagination as if we were there, we were guests. We're sitting, enjoying the dinner, some small talk, enjoying the food, maybe a glass of wine if you're of age, and you see the host, Simon, the Pharisee that's mentioned, he's, he's just working the room, Get into conversations, probably talking about the, the, the newest synagogue that was built down the street, right? Everybody just enjoying themselves. Nice little vibe. And suddenly, something happens that's changed the whole atmosphere in the room. It's almost like you're watching a movie and it's kind of like this scene like, whew. verse 37 tells us a woman of a city who was a sinner crashed his dinner party. So you probably ask yourself, who is this, this bold woman to come and to, to invite herself to this, to this dinner? It's important to note that many biblical scholars would agree that this woman isn't Mary of Bethany, and this isn't Mary Magdalene, even though we do find very similar accounts in Matthew, Mark, and John's Gospel. But what's clear that the text tells us that she has a reputation. And their reputation is known throughout the whole city. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine if your, if your sin was known throughout the whole East Memphis, South Memphis, wherever you are from? Can you imagine going to school, going to lunch and sitting down and you hear people whispering and, and gossiping about that particular sin? Can you imagine? Social media, that, that you're the trending topic. This woman, she knew that very well. So the question, the question is, so why would she take the chance to just interrupt this party hosted by a Pharisee, a religious teacher of all places? Could it have been that the, the bread, it smelled so good, and she just smelled all the good food, and she, couldn't, she just couldn't help herself. It was just irresistible. No, it wasn't the bread. It wasn't the food. It was the bread of life. Jesus was there. Her, her Savior was there. He was irresistible. This, this is the Savior that Luke talks about in, in chapter 5. Jesus himself says, those who are well have no need of a physician. He said, but those who are sick, i am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the one who was present. This is the one that, that, that provoked her, that motivated her to come and, and crash this party. But as we read in verses 38 through 39, her, her repentance, her gratefulness, it, it manifested himself, itself in worship of Christ. You see, this, this woman's actions have seemed probably inappropriate to onlookers, especially in that time as a woman to— to let your hair down and to interact the way she was interacting with a man? Luke tells us in verse 37, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment to anoint his feet. And this flask of ointment was—it was expensive. It it wasn't cheap, very valuable, but it didn't matter (laughs) because Jesus was more valuable than this ointment. We see that she wept loudly at her feet, drawing her, her tears with her hair and kissing his feet. This, this wasn't a casual scene. She, she wasn't concerned by looking put together. She was expressing gratefulness. She was expressing gratitude for her Savior. She was com- completely undone. That's an example for us when we think about worship, not just when we gather corporally, but your life. Does your life express this gratitude? David Brooks, he's an author, a writer, and he wrote an article for The New York Times, and he was discussing just the structure of gratitude. He said this. He said, gratitude happens when kindness exceeds expectations when it's undeserved. Gratitude is a sort of laughter of the heart that, that comes about after some surprising kindness, after someone saves you from a mistake or brings you food during the illness. And I can personally testify, some of y'all can too, and maybe you watching now and you're at home, uh, bed because of COVID, but you got somebody in your life checking in on you, right? You got somebody in your life dropping off food and, 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 and changing your sheets or whatever that may be. And I, I personally experienced that this past couple of weeks. And let me tell you, man, my, my gratitude for my wife increased times 10, taking care of three kids and still holding things down while, while I try to recover. Jesus' kindness towards us is it's more than someone just bringing us some apple juice and some chicken noodle soup when we're sick. greater than that. Titus chapter 3 and 4 through 5, we're reminded of this kindness. It tells us, but when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the works that we have done, but in his righteousness, but according to his own mercy. See, it's not always easy to believe that truth that God's kindness has saved us. It it has declared us right positionally before him, especially when you experience reoccurring shame from your past. And this woman, as we read in our text, I'm, I'm sure she knew all too well that shame from her past. The late pastor, R.C. Sproul, he, he calls Satan the skeleton rattler. He says, Satan delights in going into the closet of our past sins, our addictions, and moral failures. and He tempts us to believe that that's our identity. See, Satan literally means the, the great accuser. God knows he's the great accuser. Brothers and sisters, as we step into this second day of a new year, it's something about a new year that's refreshing, right? I mean, I hear it every year. Folks say, hey, new year, new new year, new me. Say that five times fast. Uh, New year, new me, right? You know, you see January 1, 2022, it's almost like it's cleaning the slate from last year, right? But when it comes to our relationship with God, Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you that we don't need to wait until a new year to, to experience restoration. We don't need to wait to a new calendar year to experience new life. We don't got to look to a calendar to clean our slate because at the end of the day, whatever you was doing December 31st, whatever baggage or trauma or besetting sins that you was doing December 31st, it's still with you on January 1st. But in the spirit of New Year, I don't know if you're a New Year resolution person or not, but can I just encourage you, all of us, to to, to take these few scriptures as I'm about to read and commit them to memory. Take the next couple months. You beat yourself up, stop it, (laughs) it's okay. Get back at it again. But let me just remind us that we don't need a new year to experience restoration, but it's in God's Word that we have access to on a daily basis. Look with me in God's Word. I just want to remind us. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 to 23 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Psalms 103 verse 12 It says as far as the east is from the west So far does he remove our transgressions And when I was a young Christian I read that verse And I was trying to wrap my mind around like As far as the east is from the west It can't be measured (laughs) That's the point In Christ as far as the east is from the west So far does he remove Our transgressions In Romans 8 verse 1 says, there is therefore now, presently, at 1119, January 2nd, 2022, if you are in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me just encourage y'all, just commit those in memory. You probably never memorized a verse ever in your life. Maybe you are already. <laughs> That's a regular habit. Praise God for that. But may we be a people that can meet God's Word and hide it in our heart. We need to replay this good news in our minds on a daily basis. And the beauty of it that Christ, he, he, he gave his life to solidify that. So it ain't just a positive thought that you just think in just to make you feel better. No, he, he shed his blood for us. So this is real. Whether you feel it or not, that's the beauty of the gospel. But can you relate? with this sinful woman who was forgiven in Christ. You see, Christ's forgiveness, it, it humbles grateful sinners. But the second reality we see in our text about Christ's forgiveness is that Christ's forgiveness, it offends self-righteous sinners. It's offensive if you're self-righteous. Look with me at verse 39. I think it's up there in our slide. There we go. Verse 39 says, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, this interaction with this woman in Jesus, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him, for she's a sinner. You see, the Pharisee's thoughts revealed a major problem that we all have. You see, self-righteousness and arrogance, it goes hand in hand. And it's manifested in two ways. The first way, as we see, is it's manifested in the way we view Christ. I mean, look at this Pharisee. He he thinks to himself, "If this man Jesus were a prophet, if that's a that's a conditional conjunction. In other words, if this Jesus measured up to my standard of what I believe Jesus should do, he wouldn't be associating with sinners." But it's shocking. It's shocking because this is a Pharisee, a religious teacher. He's a scholar of the Old Testament. He missed that all Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, but particularly, especially in the Old Testament, that's all they had. They didn't have the New Testament yet. But this this scholar of the Old Testament should have known that the Scriptures screamed out of a promised Messiah that was coming. Who was to come and to heal the lame, to to set the captives free? This person that would wrap on flesh and identify with the worst of sinners. He missed it. Let that be a word for us. You could be a student of the scriptures, seem very religious, and miss the work of Christ. This Pharisee had a problem. We see it manifested the way he viewed Christ, but also this arrogance— manifested itself in the way he viewed others. You see, he said to himself, this woman who's touching Jesus is a sinner. You see, he not only questions Jesus' identity, but he degrades this woman, because she ain't fit into his, his social, moral, religious, spiritual box. You see, our arrogance will always lead us to that, to devalue people. And it's difficult, it's difficult to see people the way God sees people when we're blinded by arrogance. But if we just stripped away the titles that we have, if we, if we just stripped away the, maybe the educational backgrounds, if we, we stripped away our, our ethnicity, don't get me wrong, those things are all great. If we stripped away our political preferences, and we just started with the, 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 the bare foundation that we're all image-bearers. So I guess we need to put our ethnicity back in there because we all crazy. Okay, y'all follow me. But uh, we're, we're all image-bearers, right? But not just that. We're all broken sinners. All of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. You see, our arrogance, it it, it builds walls of division, and we look at other people as if we're better than them. And not just that. Sometimes we encourage other people to look down on other people because they don't fit our box. Let's just get rid of the boxes. Let's normalize getting rid of these boxes and looking at other people the way we think they should be. And if they don't measure up, we dismiss them. You see, Simon, he's offended by Jesus' interaction with this woman. But Jesus shows how merciful he is. He get all all up in Simon's face. He say, hey, Simon, I got something to say to you in verses 41 through 43. And he uses parable. He he says, a certain money litter had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he counseled the debt of them both. He says, now, which of them would love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose from whom he cancelled a larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Hit that slide for me, brother. Probably can't see that picture as well, but that is a billionaire. His name is Robert F. Smith. And about four years ago, he went viral. He was a guest speaker at a graduation at Morehouse College. It's a historically black college in Atlanta, all-boys school. And he was a guest keynote speaker. And if you can imagine, uh, these graduates, it was about 290, I'm sorry, 390 uh, graduates. If you can imagine sitting through that keynote speaker, Sometimes it it's dry, it's boring, like, listen, man, I'm just ready for my name to be called, walk across the stretch, get my diploma, do my thing, and all of that, right? So they sitting, waiting for him to be done with his speech, and suddenly they was in for a surprise of a lifetime. As he began to close his speech, Mr. Smith made this declaration that he would pay off all the remaining student loan debt for every graduate class. And the grads and their family, they, they, they received this news with shock, <laughs> amazement, joy, tears, relief. I mean, it didn't matter if you owe $200 or $200,000, I mean, the, the, the truth of the matter is like, man, this man has generously forgi- forgiven all of my debt, all of my student loan debt. And when I thought about that story, I, I couldn't help but to think about my life. I couldn't help but to think about the reality of humanity, that all was born into a sin debt. But you know what the sad part about it? That all of humanity from day one has been on this tiresome journey of trying to pay off this debt that we can never pay off within ourselves. But God. Guy ain't just some billionaire. This is the person who, who's infinitely rich and show his generosity towards undeserving sinners. So stop trying to pay off a debt that you can't pay. Your good works, it won't cut it. Your good grades, it won't cut it. Your finances, it ain't going to cut it. Who you know or who know you, that's not going to cut it. The only thing that's, 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 that's feasible. <laughs> The only thing that's fitting is the Lord Himself. This is the person we offended. But even this self righteous Pharisee didn't see that. So, brothers and sisters, I, I want to remind you that it's God who is the generous donor who paid our sin debt at the expense of His Son. You see, Christ's forgiveness not only humbles grateful sinners, it offends the self-righteous, but lastly, Christ's forgiveness secures peace for sinners. You see, Luke records Jesus' specific evaluation of Simon's actions when he initially encountered Jesus. You see, it also revealed even more issues that Simon had. The first was that he lacked hospitality. Jesus tells him in verse 44, he said, you gave me no water for my feet. And that was custom. You came into somebody's house, you're supposed to give them some kind of water to wash their feet off. I mean, feet, uh, not feet, but walking was the main mode of transportation, especially when you were low income that you didn't have a carriage, you didn't have anything to ride on. So you walked everywhere. Verse 45, Jesus tells him, you gave me no kiss. Again, in the ancient Near Eastern culture, that was, that was common. You greet somebody with a kiss. And Jesus says in verse 46, you did not anoint my head with oil. Get this, Jesus isn't just nitpicking, saying, hey, I'm Jesus, do you know who I am? You ain't roll out the red carpet for me. But these were just basic hospitable customs that Simon missed, but it revealed a deeper issue, that Simon lacked love for Christ. He wasn't changed inwardly. You see, Simon's nonchalant encounter with Jesus demonstrated that he probably didn't have an intimate relationship with him. When we understand how much we've been forgiven we understand the blessing that it is to be called a son or a daughter of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no room for nonchalantness. We find ourselves kind of living a stale, nonchalant, mundane Christian life. Let me encourage you to, to pray quickly. to to repent and to to confess that quickly and say, God, would you renew my heart? creating me a clean heart. Give me a renewed hatred for sin. I've settled. I've been okay with my sin. Pray to God. God, give me a renewed hatred for sin. Give me a renewed love for your word. Maybe it's just a verse a day. Maybe it's just a few minutes and you gradually build. Pray. Ask the Spirit to do a work in you. We see a shift in our text from Simon, but it's back to the woman. Jesus reaffirms his forgiveness for this woman. He says, therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who's forgiven loves Little. Sorry, he was forgiven little loves little. And it's interesting that Jesus would say, for she loved much. And we can't interpret this or, or, or read this, because we love God, therefore he forgive us. That ain't it. <laughs> because we all know that our love for God is it's fickle, it's inconsistent. We find ourselves going back to whatever addiction or whatever uh, false God that may be. Maybe it's sexual experiences for some. Maybe it's your performance in school that it has consumed you so much that you're grasping for identity for this particular feat or accomplishment. Maybe. Maybe that false god is just you being a a very good churchgoer. You polish on the outside, but in the inside, your heart is far from God. So it is not because we love God, Therefore, he forgives us, but it's the other way around. You see, this woman is is assured that God not only fully knows her, he know her reputation, he know her sin, but he also loves her in spite of that. And so you may be saying to yourself, Ortez, I get it. You know, I heard the gospel. I appreciate you for reminding me of that word, that I'm forgiven. Jesus loved me. God loves me. I get that. But my issue is not hearing that in church. When we, when we gather, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's easier being led by a great talented to worship band, hearing great prayers, hearing a good word preached, but it's when we leave. It's almost like when a day you your sin progress more. You get into fights, you get into arguments, you become overly anxious about something. And not just that, the middle of the week, Wednesday night, you find yourself going back to that particular sin where you know it ain't good for you. Then you begin to doubt. Do you begin to just forget about God's forgiveness? This or this person looks way better, even though it's not gonna help me love God more. So what then, Ortez? What then, Pastor? What word you got for me then? Well, Allow me to use uh, a silly illustration. There's this commercial uh, that comes on from time to time. You've probably seen it. It's this insurance guy, and he's talking to these clients, and they're going through these crazy scenarios, right? Um, One scenario, it may be uh, there's a family who leaves and go out of town, and uh, they leave their pets at the house, and somehow their pets jump on the counter, and cut the water on, and the the homeowner's return, and there's this knee-high puddle of water in their house, and the pet's swimming around, and and then the scene kind of switched back to the guy talking to the client. He said, you know what, that's covered, we seen that. Or another situation, somebody's out hiking, and they find themselves inside, trapped inside of a car, and a a big bear is sitting on top of their roof. I don't know, just, just these crazy scenarios. But it's always this, this common line that this assurance agency, he say, we've seen it and it's covered. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. And then it says, we are farmers. Dun, dun, dun. Exactly, there you go. They ain't paid me to say that, but hey, if y'all willing to send a check. Um, brothers and sisters, in a much serious matter, Let me remind us when it comes to our sin, God not only seen a thing or two, but He sees all. When it it comes to our, our, our sin, our brokenness, He not only knows a thing or two, but He knows all. But if, but if, if your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're leaning and trusting, not perfectly, but, but, but faithfully, progressively, on what Jesus has already done 2,000 years ago, you could be at peace that his blood covers all of your sin. And it doesn't matter what Satan says, because he's going to say otherwise. It doesn't matter if the world says otherwise, because it will. It doesn't matter what your own heart says, because it's deceitful. Doesn't matter what your past or your present says. We can be at peace because his forgiveness is great. And just like he reassured this woman, go, your faith has saved you. Be at peace. Do you know that peace? Do you know that peace? If you don't know that peace, don't wait any longer. This, 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 this peace, this forgiveness that's, that's offered through his body that was broken, through his blood that was shed, it doesn't necessarily fix everything in this world. I'm not saying you're going to have zero issues. I'm not going to say that you're going to be super prosperous financially. I'm not going to say that you're not going to uh, lose a loved one. I'm not even going to say that you, you might even lose your life. But I am saying... That this peace, it secures your eternity. This peace never runs dry. This peace cannot be bought with anything in this world. This peace is offered to you. Receive this peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that you are in the business of saving, initiating, Rescuing, running after broken people. So I pray for all those who are here, who may be watching, that you will find us in a place of humility, that we will be honest with what we are. But God, we know that you will not leave us the same. So transform us. And God, I pray that you will continue to empower us, that we will hide your word in our heart, that we would. We will run to people who love you, trusted people that can encourage us and remind us when we stray. But we thank you for loving us first. And it's in that we get to love you in return. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for the resurrection of the body. We thank you for the hope that we have of glory. Uh, Lord change us this morning more and more Uh, we give ourselves to you in jesus name amen let's stand together and receive the benediction as we go out today the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace go in peace friends